Having a process is step one, following it's another. An agreed upon method of how you're gonna do things makes a lot of these costs predictable. The process is habit forming. If you don't stick to it, 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 it doesn't work. You forget the process, so your habit now becomes breaking the process. You need to understand what your margins need to be to pay your bills in 2023, not what they were in 2018. This is how you protect your, your employees and also your customers. They want you to be here next year and the year after. Strong companies, lasting partnerships, powerful events. Welcome to the Experience Builders Podcast. Chris, you've got a new setup with you today. You know, I do see what success does, Khalil. It breeds, <laughs> it breeds visual aids like a whiteboard. <laughs> Well, you love a, a whiteboard. I got to visit you in your office and yeah. the whiteboards were full, man. We we buy whiteboards by the 12 pack. It's funny, man, with <laughs> all the technology that exists and that you've taught me since we've started doing this. Is there anything like a whiteboard that still works when it's, you know, this frenetic pace of play that we always all work at? So, I yeah. know, man. No, they're great. I've got a massive one right here next to me, too. Uh one of the good disciplines about a whiteboard, and maybe you don't have this if you buy them by the 12 pack, but it's being willing to erase what's on the whiteboard. And I know you can take a, a photo of it, but being willing to be like, you know what, that was good, but there's more ahead. So you got to wipe the slate clean and be able to to write something new down. No, absolutely true. It's funny. And I'm, Rich will tell you, he's so most of the managers here have one in because you're freestyling or you're doing math or you're gaming out labor or whatever it is. And so I just think nothing of going into Rich's office and wiping whatever's there, right? And I'll yeah. come in and whatever, when I, you know, and in the morning I'm the worst, right? Because I'm, my brain fires, you know, right side of my brain's just on all eight cylinders in the morning. And I'm like, hey, I was driving in, I was thinking about this, hey, do you need this? And I'm, as I'm wiping it, and, you know, it could have been really important. But anyway, he's, Rich has learned to, to manage me uh, in that regard. So There's a, a funny whiteboard trick uh, I was a part of a meeting once um, where we pranked a our boss and uh, wrote on the whiteboard with Sharpie this really elaborate plan, like a really good brainstorming session, but all in Sharpie. And <laughs> we did it intentionally. It was a prank. But the uh, <laughs> the boss came in and was like, wow, this looks really good and went to go like erase something and it wouldn't come off. And he was like, what? Like We got to buy a new whiteboard now. Like That's coming out of you guys. And if you actually write over the Sharpie with a regular dry erase marker, like trace and then erase, it'll go away. So if oh, you ever run into that, wow. yeah, if you ever run into that issue, if, if only you could do that with your books or maybe with your invoices, just put something over it and change it. <laughs> right. How about when my daughters were little, right? The I'm thinking about the black Sharpie markers all over the pottery barn. You know, nice pottery furniture couches we had, yeah. and you have a toddler that age, so I know you. You, pro I don't know if you've tried it on furniture, but that would be good to know. Yeah, yeah. I've yeah. always looked at it as the permanent tattoo of the marker world. <laughs> Can't get them all. Well, uh, let's introduce our guest. We've got Rich with us. Rich, welcome to the Experience Builders Podcast. Thank you. Yeah, if hey. I can introduce, so Rich, please Hagee, do, please do, Chris. Rich Hagee is um, joined us about uh, nine nine months ago. Um, 
I've known Rich a couple of decades. We've served on a lot of committees together uh, in the uh, Florida market, um, negotiating union contracts, other good works for the exhibitor appointed contractors community. Um, I've always been an admirer. Rich ran uh, for 30 years. He was a guy that uh, was with the, uh, I would argue, the largest EAC contractor in the United States. Um, he managed a multi-million dollar portfolio of uh, labor and, and business events in the Southeast for this company. And um, was a terrific voice as our, our chief spokesperson when all the contractors got together every three or four years on union negotiations. He was trusted by both sides, articul- articulate, humble, and has a great business mind. So um, I came at him uh, about eight or nine months ago when we were rebuilding, building back. And I said, hey, man, how'd you like to take a pay cut and come, you know, expand your thinking and and do more than just um, um, big brand labor events? And uh, fortunately for me, he was looking to make a change. And uh, it's been a great addition to us. I thought he would be. And this is a guy who's really helped me see uh, profitability and where our gaps are uh, on process and system stuff since he's been here. And um, this is just a topic I know a lot of us right now are thinking about with um, trying to do more with less and and costs are rising and 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 supply chains are disrupted and, you know, transportation's all over the map. Material good costs are crazy. So paying attention to those things and creating systems to audit and measure those. Mm. That's what we're living in this world right now. So I thought he was the right guy to have us join us this week. Will. That's great. Rich, how's it been working with, with Chris and crew XP for the last several months? Oh, well, I, yeah. ah, look at the time. Oh my gosh. Do we have to wrap up already? <laughs> <Gotta> go. <laughs> well, you know, uh, it, it's been, certainly it's been a learning experience. It, it's a side of the business that I've, I've, I've seen and dealt with, but, but, didn't work in. Uh, so it's You're talking been, about getting into fabrication. Yeah. Yeah. Getting in, into the, to the, the, the dealer side of it. And, um, you know, every day I learn something new and every day is a, a challenge, but, but I, I, you know, I, I love the industry, uh, no question about it. So, uh, you know, and I like to learn, um, for sure. Uh, and the hard work is there for me if I want it. And I do, uh, but working with Chris is great. Uh, I mean, he's given me, a lot of latitude uh, to try some new things. Um, he's not afraid to let me tap into my experience over 30 years. And although, you know, maybe down a narrower path in the industry, um, but he's, you know, he lets me kind of expand on it and, uh, and it works because uh, we're like-minded about a lot of things uh, about business and about people. Yeah. And, um, you know, and that's a win-win situation right out the gate. So mm-hmm. um, anyway, it's, it's, yeah. it's been great. Well, fantastic. I'm, I'm excited to have you along for our discussion today. And we're going to be talking about margin creep. Uh, excited to define what that is for listeners. But as we speak about our listeners, it's it's good to know that it's not always the business owner that we're talking to, but it's the project managers. It's the salespeople, maybe even design people are listening to this. Uh, but we'll probably have to define some of the terms as we go. And uh, even for the business owners out there, you'd always be surprised at how many, how few know the financial side of the business when it's, it's so true. critical. Very true. So why don't we start with just a definition? Before we go into to margin creep, let's start with gross margin. What is gross margin? So, and I threw it up just up on a whiteboard here. I know we've had listeners, but some of you might be watching this on 
on a YouTube clip. Gross margin is it's a simple formula. It's it's you're taking your if it's for your business, you're taking your total sales or, or revenue. You're subtracting what the total costs of the goods are uh, of delivering that product or service. So if it's a project, you can look at, at your gross margin by project. Um, if you're the one that has the, the profit and loss responsibility for, uh, for your business, then um, we tend to look at this uh, not just by project, but monthly and even quarterly because it gives us just gives us different perspectives, Khalil. So I'm interested in two things. What's my dollar uh, gross, gross profit formula? So for, and I'll, I'll give you an example on the other side of the board here. But I also want to know what the percentage is, because one of the things you learn as a as a business leader is um, you should have a predetermined expectation. Um, and we can talk about how you get there um, of what your target gross profit is um, by job or, or, or really for your, for your business each month. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. When we, when Rich and I build the project, we are typically delivering five things. Um, for example, in a turnkey rental exhibit, right? Flooring, the hardware that goes into it, uh, that could be exhibit structure, furniture, AV. It's the graphic messaging that goes on the exhibit. It's the delivery, transportation to and from our facility to whatever the, venue, the, the event site is. And then it's to professional labor to set it up and take it down, the dismantle and the repack. There are different profit margins for each one of those things, but we have an expectation of what the blended average is for those five mm -hmm. things. And so we learn that over time. But you really should know that going in, and I think most of our listeners probably have that. So I would like to know, you know, each month, um, what's the dollar amount we're left with? Because really it's not your sales that you pay your bills from, right? It's really, yeah. it's our gross profit dollars, which is sales minus all the stuff it costs us labor and materials to deliver on those things. Well, what's left on that is our, our gross margin, our, our gross profit. Those are the dollars that then we say, okay, um, our payroll, our lights, our rent, our phones, our utilities, all general expenses are, are sort of our monthly fixed costs come from that bucket. But I, it's funny, I was talking with one of the guys in the back and I say, you know, these people are buying two lights or renting two lights. They're $75 each. How much do we make on that? They said, oh, 75 times two. We, we make $150. Well, we don't make $150. So anyway, if that's not a discussion, uh, if you're a manager listening that you you had with your people, it's worth having that in your next monthly all staff meeting. You might be surprised how many people really don't understand what that is. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think the danger there also is when you're focusing on just that top line revenue metric for where you're going to be taking out your, um, oh, look at this. Chris is flipping the whiteboard. He's got new information yeah, for us on the other well, side. So I'm throwing this clue just so as an example, this might be very simply what a monthly um, report might look like for a company. You're looking at what your product sales are. You're looking at what your service sales are. You might break those down more specifically. Uh, we have, maybe there's other sales of some kind. It could be storage and asset management or repairs you make. Yeah. But anyway, your total revenue is that number. But then I have to think about what is my cost to produce and deliver those things. So we add those up. And in my world, right, it could be materials. We have what we call labor in which is labor in-house that we use when we're prepping things. Labor out is the labor in the field, which is a different type of labor for us. Yeah. Transportation, and man, if you're in our industry, 
and you're listening right now, you know there's a, a, a driver shortage, there's a trailer shortage, you know how disruptive the oil and gas costs are. So that's always changing. Um, you know, there, there's assets we own, rental in, but if we're renting furniture or an 85-inch monitor or a video wall that is not something we have in-house, we, we have a cost from a supplier that we rent out. And there might be some other things as well. So we add all those total costs up. So in this example, I don't know if you can see it if you're watching, but I'm showing total revenue of, of $2.1 million. When I add up all the costs to deliver that, I've got $1.26 million of expense related to that. The difference, the $840,000, that's what we have to pay our monthly bills. So anyway, we'll talk about you know, the, the things you, but, and by the way, the average on that, uh, it, that I take the 840 and I'm, I'm dividing that by what my total revenue is, tells me I have a 40% gross profit. And so part of what you think about when you decide how much space you're going to rent, how many people you can hire, right? I have to base it all off that 840,000. If that's what my annual gross yeah. profit is, I can't run out and spend more than that. If the company isn't supporting it. That's why it becomes really important to manage those costs mm -hmm. in a way because we want as much in that bottom bucket as possible, right? In order to be able to pay people well and attract more people and you know have a nice yeah. place. And anyway, that's that's well, the overview of that. I promise not to look at the whiteboard anymore. <laughs> yeah, I think it's such an important concept to understand your gross profit number, even if you're not necessarily the owner of the business, but even as a salesperson or a project manager or even a designer on the team so that you understand that it's important to stay within the scope of the work. Because if you don't, you can really eat at your gross profit number. And then if you're the business owner, if you're thinking about making decisions, financial decisions, especially inside your business, based upon your top line revenue and not your gross profit, then you can really overspend and have surprises. But really, it's just ignorance is what's causing those surprises, said, uh, quote unquote. So Absolutely. Chris, I'd love to, uh, sorry, Rich, from your side, I'd really love to hear, you know, as someone has so much experience in the industry, what is it, how do you focus on gross profit whenever you're managing a project? What does that actually look like besides the, on the numbers side, what does it look like in practicality? What are some of the measures that you're taking into account when you're looking at a project? Oh gosh. Well, you know, from, uh, from following the, from, from having a process and, and, and making a process to following it, Absolutely. uh, that's, <laughs> you know, having a process is, is, is step one, following it's another. So, uh, you know, managing people and guiding them through that, that, that process is, is key. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, having expectations or the right expectations from your vendors, whether that's from uh, pricing standpoint or, you know, quality and, 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 and uh, you know, adhering to the uh, deadlines that they need to adhere to, that's um, you know, that's something we have to focus on. You know, the entire way through the project to make sure we we hit the numbers. Last week, I swear, Khalil, he didn't see the episode last week. We were talking about process and systems last week. I mean, it's, okay, we, we talk about that a lot right now. But but you're right. Having that defined process, I, that's worth saying twice here. What Rich just said, you know. An agreed upon method of how you're going to do things makes a lot of these costs predictable, mm -hmm. right? Um, and it's not just that we agree that um, we're going to set up and have a full dress rehearsal of every turnkey rental project we build. That might be, you know, part of the macro process, but there's 
25 or 50 steps in there of all the things each individual does about how we pull frames and how we set those up and what is um, how how uh, fabric graphics get ordered, how much time has to happen is allowed when we need that artwork, um, what um, pulling the lights and, um, you know, you learn don't just pull lights, pull the extension cords and pull the power strips and pull the multi heads, but pull everything we're going to need. And what's that expression? You always hear me say, Khalil, good judgment comes from experience and experience comes from bad judgment. You know, we know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. <laughs> yeah. But I, Rich was Rich was a process guy from day one. It's one of the reasons I knew he was a great fit here. And he's um, and, you know, one of the things you learn is I think the individuals that work here in production, they appreciate having an under a defined they, you know, pro they, process or understanding. Would you, would you agree they, with that? Yeah, they do. And, you know, I think I think it's human nature to want to be told how to do things or, you know, just have some guidelines to work with it. You know, you know, ma managing whatever the process is. But if I'm just talking about pulling and prepping a booth in the back, um, it's, you know, the temptation is to go outside the process for everybody at every turn. I can I can do this a little faster or I'm under the gun, so I'm going to skip this step. And whether there's a cost in the end of missing something or damage or we're talking about here's how I can save a few bucks today on this on this process. It throws your mind for a loop. It throws, you know, it's, it's process is habit forming, yeah. you know? So when, when you, if you don't stick to it, 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 it doesn't work. You forget the process. So your habit now becomes breaking the process. So, um, you know, having one is important, uh, following is important, but managing through it and, and resisting that temptation is, man, that's key. Khalil, a few episodes ago, you and I covered a topic called managing the unexpected, right? I know that everybody listening to this podcast right now, if you're in the event business, your job is is critical thinking and managing unexpected, right? There's known and there is, is unknown. Um, Rich worked through the weekend. We have a, a new partner and we're doing a very large private event, um, big brand event where they're launching and reintroducing products to a, a large group of people. So I don't know, we had 15 or 20 different rental structures within that and a lot of different counters. So Rich was, when I said, how did everything go this weekend? He said, no, it went great, but I'll give you an example. And by the way, this ties right into profitability. You'll see, you'll see what I mean. So Rich said, um, so some of the counters, we had two dozen counters out there. You know, there's a series of them that were up against the wall. Well, the countertops that we make are what we call three-sided rectangular tops. So one is is flat against the back of the counter designed to go up against the wall. And the, the other three sides have a two inch, you know, an attractive overhang. It looks a little nicer and it's got a lip. Well, the client decides that they our partner decides they want to move, you know, three or four of those counters out in the open where people can walk around. them. Well, that's that's now an unfinished countertop on one side. So Rich runs back. We've we've got a lot going on in the shop. We, we, we have some inventory. We've made some others. Anyway, he grabs three four-sided countertops, runs them out. All is great. So I walk up there this morning, and I'm looking at the whiteboard with like this with all the projects for the day. And I go, uh, oh, I don't, but I hear the mill woodworking going in the mill. He goes, yeah, we're making three new countertops because the ones I took, right, are 
were needed for some of the projects that we're shipping out here this week. So here's my question. Who pays for those three new countertops? It's a great question, and it should be the customer, but a which, lot of companies- Which customer? Uh, it should be the customer that had an order change. <laughs> okay. And so one of the things we talked about, we go, yeah, $150,000 event that we just gave you guys, and you're going to come at me for an order change on three countertops? I don't think so, new guy. Right. So that's what Rich is saying. And you go, okay, can't bill the the new customer. And it, you know, and Rich goes, well, these will probably just go into our additional inventory. And you go, okay. But my point is just like that, gross margin is effective. Yeah. I think it's the customer concessions like that, that continually eat at your gross profit margin. It's what is what we're talking about today with the margin creep. It's Whenever you concede to a customer, I mean, it's because of a fear that, oh, well, they're going to be mad at us or, oh, well, that was kind of our fault or whatever. I mean, if you can set the expectations ahead of time so that they're not unexpected, but hey, any any additional changes that happen, we are gladly to do it and we take care of things really fast. We also charge for that though. And, and if so you can you set that expectation how, above. How about the guy that drives from the event well, I mean, yeah, so much of, I mean, think about it. How much time did that take away from Rich? How much time did that take away from Pulls the off. process? How about of the other carpenter that and... now gets called in to do exactly. the, right? So, anyway, we're not, you know, I, listen, we, we have a great life and, and, and we're, 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 we're having a great year. And so you, it's easy to go, well, let's not sweat that. But you, if that happens 200 times a year, Khalil, right? What's yeah, the real deal? It adds up. There? Yeah, for sure. For yeah. sure. Well, let's even define margin creep because we've we've got gross profit dollar for people that didn't really understand that, uh, as opposed to maybe net profit or whatever. Uh, we have what we understand that having it as a percentage is really valuable because then you can blend those averages. Uh, but what is margin creep and how does it happen? I mean, we've kind of even just given an example, but how would you define margin creep? I think in our business there are certain things we have learned to look at and recognize where the potential for going astray can happen. Um, one is labor, right? If we don't, you know, so you know, you're building a, you know, a, 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 a large 30 by 40 exhibit structure, you know, at some point you've estimated it's going to take, you know, it, and it might be as simple as three guys, eight hours for three or four days. And, this, and yeah, do the math and you go, it's going to be 124 man hours to pull and prep it in the shop and then repack it, get it labeled and ready for shipment. Um, so are we estimating that correctly? Are we measuring it? And then when we come back and check timesheets a month later, how do we do on that? And by the way, if it's off, is it because we didn't estimate it right? Is it because the guys weren't focused on the, on the mission at hand and they were you know, distracted? Or do we have our own project managers that go back and pull people off jobs because they have an emergency they need attention to? I mean, all of the above, Khalil. So labor is one of the things for us. The second is, um, and this has really been uh, a challenge post-pandemic, is the crazy ride of the costs of materials. You know, we've seen, we saw sheet, you know, sheet supply would go from $25 a sheet to $67 a sheet. And then down again and then back up again. And then there was, um, 
you know, even fabric graphics, you saw, you know, we've had conversations clear about runaway compensation in the positions. So not just labor doing the work, but the cost of the other team members, right? That has changed. And uh, so, you know, we, we know, uh, again, we think about transportation, we think about our vendors. Um, we've got several vendors, more than a few vendors that import materials and goods from China. Um, remember the, you know, a few months back, the, the queue of all the ships waiting in the port of Long Beach, right? 100, 150. So, you know, now you've got, we have to make a decision to air freight something rather than send it by boat. And the cost is astronomical. So it really has been, you know, we have learned that, that where you look, that you can be vulnerable. Some of what that means we do to try and manage that is we're going to stock a greater amount of inventory. Mm -hmm. um, let's buy plywood by a hundred sheets. So we have it and can get it and we never have to pay a rush charge to access it. We used to just buy what we needed when we forecasted the work for a week. And so, you know, that's changed. Um, anyway, I think um, people, materials, uh, um, ancillary services like transportation, uh, uh, wage rates have gone up with unions, uh, you know, electrical components, things that get imported. Um, so we've kind of, we've learned of where to look. Um, and again, we just did the first thing we did it, it, first time in seven years, we sat down and did an across the board analysis of our pricing because so much had changed. And we updated our pricing. And by the way, I would say that to listeners, Khalil, if you have not revisited your pricing in some time, and I know you preach this to me, um, you've got to do that. You've got to get a handle on what your costs are. You need to understand what your margins need to be to pay your bills in 2023, uh, not what they were in 2018. And you just, it's, this is how you protect your, your employees and also your customers. They want you to be here next year and the year after. And you won't be if you don't do the hard work of a lot of the yeah. financial analysis and disciplines, right? Yeah. I mean, you think about it. You're getting charged more by your vendors. Uh, you're getting charged more by your employees or contractors that you employ. And in turn, you should charge that. You're not in the process of you know, financing other people's businesses. You know, that's not the reason why you exist as a business. It's so that you can turn cash into more cash and you can do a good work along the way. So if you're getting charged more, you need to charge more. And people think, oh, well, no, I should find it. I, I should take responsibility for that. And that's that's not correct thinking. Uh, you need to make sure that you're not running a nonprofit. So, yeah. Absolutely. Well, you, you, you introduced me to a phrase a while back called necessary endings. So we've had some necessary endings, right, with some of the customers that um, didn't understand what you just explained. Exactly. Rich, I'd like to hear from your perspective, just in like, what are, over the years, what are some things where you see it happening regularly, where margin creep is taking over the project? Uh, obviously, we know that it happens frequently when the processes aren't in place and they're not being followed. Mm -hmm. But where do those processes really, you know, go by the wayside in a project typically? Um, well, to, you know, two, twofold and I'll, and I'll just I'll comment real quick on, on the, the, the varying prices out there for, for products and services. So you, you, you manage that differently now than you did years ago. You know, one of the things that, you know, 
going through our pricing review and setting prices and understanding what we needed to, um, you know, needed to make to cover costs and to do the things for our employees that we want to do. Um, we, we need to, we need to offer some consistency. So that was sort of the goal there is, you know, we're juggling vendors and, and pricing and, and, and just wildly moving, you know, things in the industry and, and things that we use. So, um, I just, watching that happen and managing that again, differently than you did years before, you know, really looking at it closely and, and, you know, do you purchase, do a bulk purchase now where whereas before you just order, you know, incrementally and, and you'd be okay and won't worry about it. So uh, I think that's important to, um, uh, you, you know, to be consistent for, you know, for our customer, but, um, the la to answer your question, Cleo, the, it's the last minute stuff. It's the, uh, the things that come in, the, the, the late changes, um, though that's, that's where margin creep comes in because you're, you're reacting to it and, you know, to the point of the countertops, you know, it's, it's that last minute stuff where, well, do you really want to build a customer for it? You know, and, you know, is it something I should have been better prepared for and, and, and could I have been and gosh, it's such a big invoice to them and, and, and a small amount to me, you know, to, to react to that. But that's the creep. You know, and, and you do it once and you do it twice and, you know, and maybe that's a, a bit in your price, you know, that that you put out there to your customer. But but that's it. It happens and it happens quickly and it adds up quickly, you nice. know, and you find yourself in the throes of uh, of reacting when it comes to, you know, here getting a job ready or on the floor, you know, performing and, and you have deadlines for, you know, when the show opens and you just got to get it done, man. So if you're, you know, if you're, you know, you got to document what you can and if you can get recoup some of that, but that's where that happens, you know, just simply reacting yeah. and going, I'm going to run to the closer store and buy the more expensive item because I can save, you know, 30 minutes rather than go get the cheaper item and be, you know, within budget and, and on target. So anyway, are yeah. you know, are you noticing yeah. rich, um, a difference in, so some of the supplier partners we rely on, maybe it's for flooring, maybe it's for graphics, maybe it's forever. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I, I think back just a few years ago, um, we could be amazing for people. I'm talking about same day turn on graphics in an emergency or uh, a flooring shop that kept stuff in a non, uh, it's not their manufacturing city, but a service city like this, we could we could swap out a color of carpet or whatever. Mm -hmm. And now um, if you don't have seven days to produce that graphic or, and, and the strange part is given what we've all been through with, with pandemic, you would think the brand side, the end user clients would understand the need for more time. Would you agree? It's if it's possible, <laughs> lead times have gotten even shorter. They're shorter. Right. And so <laughs> for sure, you don't have some, um, some suppliers that would be open on weekends in a trade show city are not anymore, right? They have their own struggle with labor. Yep. So, you know, can you speak to how does that variable change on profitability? Are we, are we saying no to people or we're still doing it and we're charging them more or we're doing it and we're eating it or what are you, are you? Well, I, I think, um, I mean, I, there's there's times when we say no to something that's not a good fit for us or that we can't win on. That's know? on a uh, that's on the start of a project. What okay. if we're in a project? Okay. Um, and these things. Well, there's some reality conversations you have along the way. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know, here's what this costs. You, you know, communicate. It's funny. I, I just got off a conference call right before I walked in here, 
And, and the bulk of it was communicating changes in costs and, and, and really just dropping some reality bombs along the way of executing a project. And um, yeah, it's that, that, that's, that's a struggle to, you know, to make sure that um, I think when I ran down the hall to get you, I think yeah. I heard, so delay of client providing something essential, yeah. we're no longer able to ship to the advanced warehouse. This now has to go direct to show. That means we're not setting up day one on straight time. It's going to be setting up on weekend overtime, right? It's going to be maybe some additional guys that are there. It's going to change the transportation freight cost because it doesn't have a, the ability to stop in three places on its way up the East Coast. It's got to go directly there. All the domino effect is is real, mm -hmm. and and it's and it seems to be multiple um, in the current market. So to your point yeah. about communication, I think is is it fair as long as we're communicating real time? These are the consequences of these things yeah. happening. Um, the the customer, the partners, they're with us, and understanding of that versus not mentioning it yeah. and then trying to recoup it after the hundred percent. And, and that's yeah. and communication has been, I mean, this isn't anything new. Yeah. It's just now, now more than ever, because the, the reality bombs are a bit bigger. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, so yeah, there's some real decisions to be made. Um, sometimes I, the, none of this yeah. is new Khalil to our listeners. Yeah. They all live in this yeah. world. And we know that yeah. I, I think if there's a, a takeaway, it's, are you really understanding what the cost consequences to your own company are? If you're not, yeah you know, communicating and addressing these as it's happening, right? Absolutely. I think it's a, always a good reminder too, because it's really easy from client to client to have a different perspective, you know, project to project to have a different perspective because, you know, you're in a different situation as a business or it's a specific event that you really want to do well at or whatever it is. And I think there's really three things based upon what you guys were saying that really stick out to me and I think are, you know, warrant really highlighting. And one is that a lot of the times, it comes down to our own head trash that we're not willing to charge for the concession. We're not because we're worried about how it makes us look or how the client's going to feel. And we have this poor perspective of just the understanding that if you do something, you charge for it. No Are you matter writing what. this down? Okay, because I know you're <laughs> I, thinking of three people. I, I kind of felt like you were about other, to say that. <laughs> so I totally But I think but it, it comes down to head trash. For, for That's one thing is that you've got to get out of your own head and you've got to just look at it objectively and not subjectively. The next thing that I think about that you said is that the process is so important and the process of billing is so important and just following that process will help you get out of some of these things where you allow margin creep to take over because it's a specific client or a specific use case or instance, whatever it is. But uh, with that process, sometimes it's important because we have terrible head trash to even remove ourselves from the process of billing the client as the project manager or the business owner, where if we can have, oh, I submit that to billing and then billing is the person that bills it or whatever, even just that simple act of removing ourselves to where our head trash can't be in the way of us doing the process that that can help us through it, right? And the the last thing you had mentioned, Rich, that even before the the process starts with the client where they have the opportunity, or before working with the client where they have the opportunity to change the work order or have a last minute request or a last minute submission to us, selecting the right project that we can win on, and even probably before that, selecting the right clients that fit our business model 
and what we're trying to achieve so that we have the right types of projects that we can win on is so important. And if you're dealing with margin creep consistently on every single job, it's either because you're not following a process, your head trash is getting in the way, or you're doing a really poor job of selecting the right clients and projects. Those are three things that I think every person listening can yeah. take to the bank on margin creep. And by the way, to your last one, that generates is another term we've just started using recently, and it's it's called scope creep, right? It's the scope of work that's constantly changing and evolving as it happens. Mm -hmm. And that has to do, to your point, Khalil, with the type of clients that you have. We all have, you know, customers that, you know, will make a change sometimes on a project and you do your best to respond to that. But when their process is that this thing is living and breathing and changing and evolving right up until the show opens through production, through delivery, through it, we really, it's the risk gets greater and greater, the risk of being able to deliver um, what they're looking for. And that's a, a great event, a hassle-free experience. Um, we've, we've made a conscious decision that when we find somebody who regularly likes to do business that way, um, we've just, just decided we're not the right fit mm. and for that customer. And I don't think they're the right fit for us. And we're okay saying that right now. And we're not snooty or, or stuck up. It's just, um, everybody wants to feel good about what they're working on. They want the work to be meaningful and you want us to have some successes and, we're in a business that already, we always like to say, the world conspires to destroy the beautiful thing we build the minute it leaves our dock. But we don't want to feel somebody's playing gotcha with us the whole time and then, you know, argues about who covers those costs. So, yeah, we're, yeah. we're it's one of the reasons, to your point, choose better customers, tends to bring better work, have yeah. better people, have defined processes. It really can protect you to have a profitable uh, gross margin, a profitable way of doing business, right? Yep. So. Yeah. And I think, you know, for people that are listening, like, yeah, it's, it's easy for you to say, like, get rid of this customer. My business would be, I'd be out of business without this customer, even though they cause all these headaches and margin creeps and scope creeps, all that kind of stuff. And I think that's kind of the point is like, you know, you, you're going broke by serving this client. You could just go broke on the beach doing nothing if you wanted to and really enjoy your time. Right. So why are you being so miserable in this position? Sometimes you're going to have to push through it to get through it. And yeah, that means firing the client and maybe having to let go of people. And yeah, it's you're going to go through some pain, but all you're doing is avoiding pain by continuing down this, you know, this path of not having good margins and not being a profitable business. So a couple of thoughts um, that just come to mind as you were saying that um, you don't have to be a huge company to be thinking about process and systems, right? And again, a system is just an, and a process. It's an agreed upon method of how you're going to work with each other, how you're going to do something internally. Okay, everybody, you could be a three-person office and you could do that. Um, the benefit of internalizing that and having everybody sign on for that, I can tell you the impact it's had on us this year. Um, a tier one healthcare plan, a better healthcare plan, was we're able to afford to offer employees. We're, we're contributing um, a greater amount to a retirement plan. We've introduced a profit sharing plan um, that every employee participates in and gets a taste of quarterly, right? And anyway, and we're we're hiring better people because we can pay better. 
right? I mean, the domino effect of, of, of understanding gross profit and protecting it. And, and again, um, we don't gouge, we really don't gouge our customers. I love meeting with a partner and saying, let's have a conversation about economics. And if you can learn a little bit about it really costs to produce a project, I think you'll trust us anyway. I, and, and I, hopefully your customers are trusting you when you have that kind of honest conversation, but you'll well, love and, and what not you're just able with your, to do. Yeah. Not just with your customers, but with your employees too. Like if you want buy-in, if you want your employees to understand why it's so important that they charge for that or that they not do that, then help them understand the financial impact of it to the company, to their position, to their bonus, whatever it is, right? Amen so, to that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, this has been a great conversation. I think it's a valuable thing that people probably don't talk enough about, um, maybe inside their company or just in the industry in general. So I'm glad that we're addressing it. Uh, margin creep. We've talked about gross margins and talked about the importance of processes, of getting out of your own head, of making sure that you're measuring uh, what you do so that you can improve and track what you do. Um, really, really valuable stuff, guys. Rich, thank you for joining the podcast. It wasn't too bad, was it? No, you're welcome. Thanks. It was it was kind of awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you enjoyed it, right? You, I know there was a little bit of worry first podcast, but you did great, man. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Chris, as always, it's always it's always good chatting with you, man. Great to see you. Thanks for helping us unpack this on on this episode, Khalil. Um, Experience Builder Podcast. If you guys haven't found us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, we are there. Sign up to subscribe. We'll make sure you get a teaser every time we drop a new episode. Hopefully, it's helpful. In the meantime, I'll see you on the next one, Khalil. All right, sounds great, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Experience Builders Podcast. Check out our website in the show notes or visit crewxp.com to learn more.